Ascent Podcast. Hey everyone, before we begin this week's show, I just want to introduce this month's sponsor, Avogachi. Avogachis are on-chain collectible ghosts staked with Aave's interest-generating A tokens. Compete for player rewards by earning XP, leveling up, and increasing the rarity of your Avogachi friend. Owned by the community, Avogachi is governed by the Avogachi DAO and the native eco-governance token Ghost, or GHST. Summon your first Avogachi today and join the future of DeFi staked NFT avatars. Follow Avogachi on Twitter at Avogachi, A-A-V-E-G-O-T-C-H-I, or on Discord at discord.gg slash 6R2PE58. That's discord.gg slash 6R2PE58. Thank you and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Matthew and Rizzle Show. This week, our guest is Eclectic Method. I'm sure you've seen his amazing video remixes over on Twitter. They're absolutely epic. The latest People remix that was sold over on OpenSea was absolutely insane and I think it really blew a lot of people's minds. He's been doing this for over 23 years though. So we dug into all the history of what Eclectic Method has been doing, how he got into his career, his other passions, how he found crypto, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Really excited to share this episode with everyone. So without further ado, please enjoy the conversation that Rizzo and I had with Eclectic Method. Okay, Eclectic Method, welcome to the Matthew and Rizzo Show. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to get into this conversation with you. Um, just digging into your background before we hopped on the call, it was it was insane to see that you've been doing remix videos for over 23 years. Um, as of late, just the people everyday remix has obviously been trending on everyone's timeline. Um, I've just seen you so much in my timeline, to be honest, and constantly looping your videos probably is one of the core reasons of that, because you're your production is just super sick. But I'm wondering, uh, for folks that may not be super familiar with you, if you could kind of introduce yourself, tell us a little little bit about your background and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, sure. So I guess uh, I've mostly been a video remix artist. Now I'm a motion graphics musical artist, uh, musical animations. I started out playing guitar with my friends in high school, and I was in various bands. I was in... Um, uh, rock bands and then I got into samplers and DJ music and hip hop and house music sort of all at the same time and then I've been making sample music ever since like 1993 and in 1997 I, I saw uh, Cold Cut and Hextatic they made this song out of video where it's like they built a, a music out of chainsaws and chopping up trees and when I saw video music like uh, the music made out of the video I decided that's what I wanted to do from that day on so yeah then I became sort of a uh, a video DJ traveling the world. So originally I was a mashup DJ, mixing up uh, tunes together, but doing the videos as well. And then slowly transitioned into making totally original music out of video samples. So sampling action from movies, bits of dialogue. Uh, yeah, I've been doing that for ages. And then last year I started getting into Cinema 4D because there's a lot of hurdles with remixing stuff with copyright issues. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to carry on doing the kind of movie musical remix stuff, but make my own movie clips. So I got into Cinema 4D. And then really recently, like about 40 days ago, uh, I got into crypto art and selling uh, 
my audiovisual crypto pieces. And yeah, that's that's me basically. Dude, I'd, I'd be really interested to hear, like, you know, especially in the crypto art scene, which has been like sort of an up and coming scene for a while now that seems to have really caught fire. There's been a lot of talk about like intellectual property and copyright and that kind of thing. And you're obviously like probably have a lot of experience in that area and like who's cool and who's not. And, you know, uh, I would assume you're towing the line in some sense of what's like cool. And I, I saw you put out some tweet the other day about how like, you know, all the proceeds from a lot of what you've done, or maybe it was one specific video have basically gone not to yourself, but to the, uh, you know, original uh, intellectual property owners. So do you mind like sort of unpacking that whole like situation for us? Yeah. So, so basically, even though a lot of people think of me as a, a pirate, because I'll use samples from movies without asking. I, I don't like actually pirates, say, we, we like pirates yeah. here. It's all good. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I am sort of like that, but I don't sell any of it. So I, what I do is I, I make remixes of movies and then I put it on YouTube for free. And I, I don't enable the ad revenue. I just have it out there as a kind of advert for myself. And in the past, that's led to me playing, you know, at music festivals, film festivals and nightclubs. It just it helps get the booking. It's the equivalent of a DJ putting out a song. I mean, I also put out songs, too. But the video remixes I put out, you know, span from cool movie remixes to viral memes about a fly on Mike Pence's head. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm doing all that stuff. But the copyright issue is like, for example, I did a, a remix of Wolf of Wall Street and the film company Universal enabled the advertising. So they take all the ad revenue for that would have been like about $30,000 at ad revenue yeah. for them yeah. just on YouTube. So the thing is, uh, even when I do these remixes, they get a lot of attention. It's very hard to earn money off them. You have to like earn money by getting gigs because people saw your remixes, if you know what I mean. And so I, I definitely don't take samples and then sell it on Spotify or iTunes. I don't ever like take other people's movie clips and then make a piece and sell that. And all the art I'm putting out on as NFT art, I'm making myself in you know i'm playing the synthesizers myself i'm making doing the modeling myself animating it in cinema 4d or um asking permission so for example this beeple uh, remix people actually said i was allowed to put it out and even the people i went to get permission from the people who filmed the interview with him that's have you ever uh, go ahead go ahead man no, no, I was just going to say, like, have have you ever, like, gotten a lot of pushback from anyone for using it? I mean, it, it seems like, uh, you know, from someone coming in from the outside, like myself, like, you're essentially giving, like, a lot of these movies and musicians free advertising, even though I know it's sort of working as advertising for yourself as well. Has anyone ever, like, really had a problem with it? Or has everyone, like, thought it was pretty cool? Or what's what's been, like, the general reaction from people who have stumbled upon your videos? Oh, it's been totally great. No, I've never, I've never had a problem because I'm not selling anything. No one's got reason to sue me. It, uh, so, when I most of the time I'll do a remix, and if the person sees it, usually on Twitter or YouTube, or it goes viral and they see it, they'll they'll share it and like it, and that's happened like time and time again. Like Anthony Bourdain, Edgar Wright, the director, um, LL Cool J, um, wow. Kathy Kathy Griffin, Patty Jenkins, so the Wonder Damn. Woman movie. It, it's happened loads of times, and they always like share it and are like, "Thanks for remixing it." And then, but then the copyright issues come in with even at times when I've worked with actors or film companies to get the rights 
um, it's actually been hard for film companies to even license their own movies to use in like a live concert setting or as a song that you release on iTunes. It's actually the, the, the legal structure isn't really there to do that. So even when you get the support of these people, it's still hard to make a, a legal product. It just seems, I mean, it's so interesting how you've kind of used the, these remixes, especially as sort of like a calling card or like a, a funnel for, for client work that helps you either secure a gig or pay you to create some other sort of product. But it's such a, such a shame that there's so many hurdles in place to kind of prevent you getting paid or even like the copyright holders from licensing out some of the stuff to, in a way that enables folks to, to make money. Um, and yeah, and I'm I'm also only taking like two second clips from movies, so it's not exactly mm -hmm. like if you see my remix, you're not going to go now and watch the movie. In fact, you might then go and watch the movie because you saw it, and it's an it's a revenue stream the film companies and the TV studios don't realize they're missing out on. Oh, totally. And well, I wanted to kind of touch on this later, but we're right here right now, and well, we're we're in crypto, and folks are just starting to really, I think, push the limits of what's possible with nfts and thinking about like liquid ip concepts um there's still a lot of infrastructure that that needs to be built out to facilitate some sort of like streaming revenue for licensed material whether that be songs or videos and things like that but like from your vantage point what you've kind of experienced over the past couple of decades um and then in the past like 40 or so days getting into this crypto art scene and nfts and stuff like that like looking ahead i mean do you see something fundamentally changing i mean i don't know like if, if it's going to change in the, the legacy studio model or do you see some other entity kind of like hopping into the space and taking advantage of the new tech like i was just super it's curious to hear your forecast on that. i think like the 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 my initial like um interpretation that's so fascinating is there's all these artists i follow like kid mograph and yeah. people and these people who are motion graphics artists who are usually doing tv commercials or music videos or stage shows mm -hmm. so their entire workload uh, their entire output is usually ruled by what a client decides they should do and occasionally what they get time for to do in their own art but um with the crypto art all these people are suddenly freed up to make whatever they want and they're creating you know the craziest stuff and and the most original stuff and you're seeing you know suddenly seeing art that you weren't seeing from these people the same people you were watching a year ago you know what i mean Totally. Talking with a bunch of, especially folks that have had kind of dual lives where they have their day jobs, where uh, they're graphic designers or they're working in advertising and they're doing client work. Um, but in the evening, like their passion to be like to, to pursue art and push their craft to the next level um, previously to crypto just for free and for, for the lols like on Instagram or, or whatever um, coming into crypto art and then having the ability to kind of like do what they want to do and then start making like boatloads of money in the process. It's kind of a revelation for a lot of folks to, to kind of almost have their cake and eat it too, um, in, in the sense for creators. So it, been, uh, go ahead. No, sorry to cut you off. Um, I've been watching lots of interviews with artists, NFT artists, um, and it's been really interesting to see a lot of people say they haven't found their place and then they got into NFT art and found their place. And I think that's also a lot of people have been victim to the algorithm of YouTube and Facebook and Instagram, mm -hmm. where they kind of have to play the game of, of what's popular. And this kind of be, seems to be a space where stuff that isn't ruled by the algorithm is flourishing. Dude. How did you stumble upon our weird little 
land here of nfts that uh is is getting bigger like quite rapidly especially with you know people like yourselves you know coming through the gates you know pretty rapidly now but you know you said 40 days ago was essentially your foray into this space how did you stumble upon it in the first place uh i've been fo- um i've been following uh kid Mograph for years and uh so definitely he's the first person i saw mentioning it on twitter and i didn't think much of it like i, I understood what it was but i consider him an amazing motion graphic art graphics artist so i didn't consider it a place for me and then i saw you know obviously the huge people thing and it was a week or two after that looking at just on rareable that you could put out art without having to join because i guess i wouldn't have ever considered applying to super rare or anything so yeah seeing that and then i just fell into it yeah that coincides like exactly where where and when you kind of started showing up in my uh twitter feed so i i've been talking with uh, angie taylor for a while and she was telling me about all her motion graphic friends that she's been like proselytizing about crypto art and shouting from the rooftops like hey get over here uh, including kid mograph so i'm starting to see like the the connected dot um sort of uh six degrees of separation or whatever uh from the artists who've come into the scene and and bringing people in from the adjacent uh creative spaces it's always cool to kind of trace that timeline back um but since you've been in here and because crypto moves at like a thousand miles an hour um i'm just curious to to see what and get a pulse of where folks kind of pain points are at now when they come into the space i think a year ago if you go back in time people would probably complain that um the minting process is like super hard and and problematic um and it probably still is but i'm curious like if you had to pick one major pain point now, um, like what is what is the the biggest source of friction for you coming into the space uh, and pursuing um, your art uh, with that kind of addition of of crypto and, and NFTs, kind of supporting it and backing it at this point? Do you know what it was? I mean, on the whole, it was incredibly easy. I even found setting up MetaMask and everything really easy. Yeah. Um, I think uh, I think that w- with with me it was like w- when I first looked at super rare and the sites where you have to apply to join I was probably like okay well you have to be you know putting down you know a decades worth of motion graphics work to do this and so I didn't think much of it and then when one of my friends was like at rareable you don't even have to you know be accepted and so then I, I did it and I and the first video I did you know it's something I'm very proud of but I didn't expect it to sell mm-hmm. I was like ah oh, you know that's a that's a waste of like 10 bucks minting something mm-hmm. and real quick on that point uh there's obviously this this um category of permissioned minting marketplaces we got super rare ko makers place nifty gateway right um and i i know with the people everyday remix you were i think looking into nifty gateway if i'm not mistake, mistaken to try to have a drop there for that um and there's maybe a no where they just didn't get back or whatever. I'm curious from your vantage point as a as an artist, like how are you looking at these permissioned marketplaces uh, in terms of trying to get on there as an artist? Is that, um, yeah, just curious your thoughts there. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably not experienced enough yet to know which platform is for what. Um, Rarible's been great. I'm only just doing the Beeple thing because it was an auction on OpenSea. Uh, and I've just been accepted to known origin. So I'll probably try some stuff out there. And I'm really just asking people who have been selling stuff already for a long time, like, 
how do you do it? How long should you do it for? What's this platform for? What? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'm not entirely sure. So right now, Rarible, OpenSea, and I'll probably try something on Known Origin next. Dude, have, have other people from, you know, your industry that you're coming from seen what you're doing in the crypto space and been intrigued at all? Or do you feel like the, most of the, you know, interest and in hype, like, say, for example, around the Beeple remix on Rarible is mostly from people who are already native to like the NFT crypto space or, you know, are, are you seeing any crossover at all? Uh, there's definitely a crossover with Beeple just because he's been, he was making like audio visual, highly rhythmical videos 10 years ago and um, that we were all following that. And that's um, so, you know, we've always been following what he does. And so there is a crossover of that. It tends to be more on the motion graphic side. So DJs, I think they look at it and they feel like they need a visual to go with what they're doing to sell NFT art. So it's, it's, uh, it's a very small section of people that are making music and visuals. And then like getting into the craft of kind of putting together the remixes that you've been doing for so long, like, I'm, I'm just curious about the actual process and like how you conceive of, 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 a, of a work before you start out. Like, are you watching a video and then thinking like, oh, I got to dig into this um, artist's or group's body of work and to do something? Or are you watching a movie and kind of like you get the spark of inspiration? Like, OK, I, let me see what I can do with this. How, how do you actually go about turning um, an idea into one of these final remixes. Dude, I, was, I was goofing around with him like after the New Year's Eve festival. And I was like, yo, man, whenever you want to make like the Rizzle remix, we got like a thousand <laughs> podcasts out there. And then was just thinking to myself, I was like, oh my God, what a monumental task it must be to like comb through all this content to get like the exact right thing to drop in at the exact yeah. right moment. So I'm, I'm interested in hearing uh, his answer as well. <laughs> Yeah, I do. I, well, that's that's a long process. I do two types of remixes. One which is like sound orientated, where it's all bangs and crashes to make the rhythm and the melody, and the other one is like narrative driven, where someone's talking. Mm -hmm. Those ones are the hardest because, like, uh, I made a video about what what are NFTs that's coming out later today, and I went through probably like fourteen hours of uh, interview footage, and you you have to kind of I watch it at double nearly double speed, mm -hmm. but still you need you know a good 10 hours to go through it but yeah so i'm watching for an i watch for an interview and then i pick sentences or tiny sound bites that i feel are relevant to the theme i'm trying to get across and then mm -hmm. i sort them by how they rhyme so that I, ha I can make a rhyming rap about whatever subject it is and then yeah just reorganize it and slightly rejiggle the voice so that it's rhythmical and and fits with the beat I'll, I'll go and make the beat in ableton and then i'll jump back and forth between video editing and ableton to get the sound right and yeah, that's it. So for the beat, I mean, is that something that you're just kind of in the process of digging through the footage um, for the the speech-based remixes in particular? Like, are you listening to the cadence of how a person or um, like a movie flows and then kind of like vibing with it in a certain way and then express yeah, that in the beat? Mm. If it's just one person, I'll look at like where their voice is in the EQ spectrum, whether they've got a bassy voice or a you know MIDI voice, and then I'll take a song that I've already made, or I'll make a song around that voice. I don't know what I expected. Like I, <laughs> I assume it's some like really complicated process, but like hearing him actually say it, I'm like, oh my god. Um, 
Dude, I feel like I remember the chainsaw like rhythmic video that you're talking about that sort of kicked this whole thing off. Do you like stomp too? That's like the other thing that I thought of. Is that like some bastardized version of like what you really enjoy or like some <laughs> gentrified version of, of everything? No, I've been I've been to a stomp show. Yeah, yeah. Um <laughs> no, uh I, I like that stuff. Yeah, the video is Timber, Coca and Hextatic, and they that was the first one I saw, and they were inspired by a group from New York called EBN, who are Emergency Broadcast Network. And they're the guys who did that U two stage show for Zoo TV when they had the massive screens and they were kind of jamming with video clips. So yeah, that that's where like all that all that originated, I guess like in the mid nineties. And then, I mean, I've been talking with Blau and, and Rack over the past couple of weeks. We're trying to put together a metaverse meetup with um, uh, like an audiovisual component and just like listening to where they've come, like in, especially the past year with COVID and all the cancellations with their live shows and everything like that. Um, just the state of where music is at and talking to some of their agents seem to be quite hard pressed. But for the kind of bright light that um, crypto is starting to shine, um, yeah, they would have been like a really, really hard up place and i'm just curious like where is the music space going to go obviously hopefully covid goes away quickly and we can get back to live touring and things like that but like what what happens for most musicians especially folks that are make a living off of touring if this kind of situation of covid is 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 prolonged for another year or two where do you see that going well, there's in countries like Germany where they're supporting artists and giving everyone funding and, you know, they regard culture as important. It it will be, you know, okay. In countries like Britain where they're totally st- starving everyone. I'm mm. not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure what happens there. It's, it's, um, it's weird, isn't it? Cause there's, there's these, it, but then everything's changing. Like people aren't doing event stuff, but there's still a lot of creatives that are flourishing right now. Mm-hmm. Where, where do you see yourself? I mean, how do you fit into like this changing dynamic of, of like macro circumstances like COVID impacting live touring and then what you're doing in crypto? Where do you see yourself going in, in the middle of all this chaos and, and flux? I mean, it's, it's awful and I wish it wasn't happening. But me personally, um, I've always loved living on the internet and I'd, it's the way that crypto art is going and the way that... Um, everything being more centered on having meetings on the internet, collaborating on the internet. It's amazing for me personally. I mean, I've, I've definitely lost my business of DJing and performing live stuff and that's not coming back anytime soon. Um, but I've always kind of been on the, on the edge of being a production company. Speaking of which, man, talk to us about Bootsy Collins. Uh, I'm anxious to hear like how he is ending up either on your radar or our radar in the NFT space, or he sort of like threw his name out there in the beginning of this. I was like, Ooh, Bootsy Collins. I know Bootsy Collins. What, what's the deal with him? Nice man. Yeah. Um, so Bootsy is one of those people I've met basically on Twitter, like so much of my conversations and stuff. And he liked a video of baseline I made in one song. And then he shared a James Brown remix. You know, he was in James Brown's original band. And so we, we just DM chatted. And then when I started getting into crypto, I thought it wouldn't, wouldn't it be cool. I asked, you know, a bunch of people asked Bootsy Collins and he said, yeah, let's do it. And then I set up MetaMask for him. Uh, so he's, what? he's got a MetaMask. Yeah. And I, I'm trying to convince You're him. Just- 
onboarded Bootsy Collins casually. <laughs> You're just throwing that out there. <laughs> yeah, he had he has a MetaMask address, and I've I'm trying to convince him to set up Rarible and you know all these sites to, to you know keep doing Bootsy crypto art after our thing. But basically, we're making a song together and an audio visual loop that's going to be motion graphics and his music and my music mixed together. Um, and my wife is doing the animation drawing. Uh, yeah, and she's also learning Cinema 4D now too. You know, the amount of casual name dropping going on in this podcast is too, is too damn high. Like eclectic method, just randomly throwing out like massive names. Like, yeah, just DMing with Bootsy Collins. Oh, <laughs> oh man, yeah, man, this is he, awesome. It's it's the internet age. That's like the, the, the plus side of Remix, everybody, is you get to chat to everybody, if you know what I mean. Isn't that Twitter? I mean, Twitter feels like the best of what the internet can be in sort of those like casual conversations, like reaching out to someone, you're just a DM away or a tweet away. And it's amazing what sort of collaboration is possible off of that. I mean, you've been doing remixes since forever. And that, I mean, it's, it's interesting when you get that kind of like permission or you talk to people and they kind of dig it like that's a really interesting collaborative kind of dynamic and it seems like a lot of other artists that are coming into crypto art specifically are engaging with nfts um there's this it, it is almost a kind of like steroid or it's almost like crack for collaborations um it's just so easy to kind of reach out and be like yo let's do a work together let's let's mint it do like a, a multi-minting process. So both of our MetaMask addresses, addresses are stamped on here so that if it does sell, it automatically gets split. We don't have to mess with our money on the back end. Um, so there's been this sort of like explosion in, in creative collaborations that has just been so awesome to watch and starting to see people going like cross genre. So obviously it's the the audio element, the visual artist combining with, with musicians is a natural fit. Um, but I'm really excited to see folks from like different um creative spheres like coming from like like motion pictures coming from uh like more like spoken word or poetry background kind of combining forces with other creators to make something that is just like brand new and appealing to different audiences and, and crossing the chasms of these sideload audiences that people have, have maintained in their their own neck of the woods so it's been interesting to watch that yeah, and all the generative, programmable, interactive art that's like programmers collaborating with artists and artist programmers. Yes. Yeah, it, expanding the tech, uh, the tech spe uh, spectrum. It's just bringing anyone with an idea together to create something. It's like the, the definition of a creator has been broadened. What an artist can be is broadened. And it's challenging, I think, a lot of people's notions of like, what is art? What shouldn't be called art? What's a collectible? And I, I just... I love that sort of friction because it feels like out of that friction, like amazing stuff always starts to happen. And you start to have the real conversations about what people have been doing. And you start to see where people have kind of been taking a lot of things for granted or making a ton of assumptions. And a lot of people kind of shy away from the friction and the controversy. But I mean, I, I, how do you think about that coming in here? I mean, you've been on Twitter wow. and I'm sure you've seen a bunch of con controversy. Yeah, and and making like uh, remixes about NFT and watching interviews and watching parts of the history and you know Rob Ness's thing and all, all that kind of history of it. That's that's fascinating. Um, I think it's I think it's just um, really amazing, and I, I, I'm kind of lost in it. Mm -hmm. I kind of um, 
Yeah, sorry. Um, uh, I think what Beeple did was really important uh, in terms of the outside world seeing it. I think uh, all the copyright <laughs> issues are fascinating. I think the way it's developing is fascinating. And uh, yeah, coming in it from the outside world, I've been a lot of my motion graphics um, friends that I've been interacting with, I think they kind of find it hard to believe that there's value in art. And it's really weird how the people who make art, like they love making art, but they, they can't believe there's value in it. And it's kind of like, every, you know, people get concerned about how, how, much, how valuable a piece of motion graphics is. But then the US, you know, spends 800 billion a year on warfare. And, and you know, I'm sure a lot of that goes on like expensive dinners and Lamborghinis. So it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting, like what has value in this world? Um, I'd love art to have loads of value. That would be fantastic. Well, Dude, who's let's do some more like casual name dropping. Who's who's next to fall after Bootsy? Like, do you feel like you know? Can we can we get the rest of P Funk in here, or are there like anyone else on the fringe who you've been like talking to that we can like sort of uh, manifest or like conjure up if we uh, summon them enough on Twitter? Or who's who's uh, next coming yeah. in? A few people, awesome people I've worked with in the past, but aren't sure. Like I did a track with Chuck D, Public Enemy, and uh, I oh, want to turn a bit, a bit of that track into a new motion graphics thing. Also, The Needle Drop, Anthony Fantano, the music vlogger, I did a tune with him remixing his vlogs. I think he's a little uh, not sure about crypto yet, but I'm trying to convince him. And uh, yeah, um, Lava Labs have given me, me and Jonathan Mann, permission to release our videos about crypto punks. That's so, cool. you know. They said, uh, we see it as fair use. We're not going to sue you. So we're allowed to do that. And yeah, me and Jonathan Mann just put out a Beeple remixes too that are on OpenSea. So yeah, that's super cool. There's a few collabs that I'm working on that uh, they haven't explicitly told me I can say their name. So I just, uh, I won't, I won't say it, but yeah, yeah, non, yeah. My life is a joyous nonstop um, cinema 4D music making endeavor. That's awesome. Shout out Song of Day, man um aka jonathan man um he was he was into crypto a long time ago jonathan man song a day man and he, he yeah he's been doing a, a song a day for well over four thousand days now yeah. yeah yeah him and uh matthew condon i mean when i first got into nfts it was early on but it definitely wasn't the earliest i mean post crypto kitties is kind of like was looking at different things but jonathan man and matthew condon they dove headfirst into it and they had a podcast digitally rare that was like up until Rizzo and I started this podcast, that was the only podcast about NFTs in the space. And that had basically kind of like closed up shop for like three months prior to when we started. So like I dove into the full catalog and he's just an incredible, incredible thinker in the space, both of them. So I learned a lot from him as well. But yeah, he's a, he's a legend in the remix world too. Yeah. But I, I kind of wanted to go back to what you're talking about, especially some of the, the motion graphic folks kind of looking into or at crypto art and being a little bit skeptical about like where the value is coming from. And I mean, I just kind of would like you to kind of unpack where their skepticism is coming from, like some of the conversations that you've had with them, because these are the conversations that everyone brings up and kind of like understanding where other people are coming from. I think it's really important so that you can kind of talk to them and explain like where the value actually is for a lot of people or, or what's happening in our, our space to kind of bridge um, these, these divides that are currently here. Yeah. I've, I've kind of lived inside the DJ world, but most of my friends are kind of coders and motion graphics people. So, so those people are used to working for corporations, mostly 
TV TV trailers to adverts, um, maybe some visuals for like a, a stage show, and those people are used to getting paid by the day, and you know however much work they churn out in the day is however much work they churn, and they usually get hired because they're very good at churning out quality work in a set amount of time. So the idea of getting paid, you know, what they get paid in a day in a couple of hours for a very small portion of what they do, because you know they're often churning out thirty, sixty second pieces for. Mm -hmm. A few a few weeks work, so yes, it's a hard thing to wrap your head around. And me too. Like uh, I, I, I kind of live in two worlds because uh, I come from like DJing, where you have to sell the tickets to the concert for people to come in, and then you can you sell songs and T-shirts, and um, then. But I also do kind of trailer work, where Comedy Central or somebody will hire me to make a trailer for a TV show, and then I'm paid like a video editor and a music composer. And that's pretty good work. Sometimes that's you know much better work than DJing. Um, so yeah, I think it's really hard for them to wrap their heads around because of how they've earned money in the past. And it's like, where is this money comes from? How can these people <laughs> afford to buy this art at this price? And uh, yeah, that kind of thing. And it's like you know you just got to dive in and do it. And these a lot of these people are super talented, turning out amazing work. But I think they're just a little scared to jump in. I mean, that makes it seem like, you know, this, this is like, you know, maybe some industry changing, like paradigm shifting thing in its infancy, right? If these artists uh, are cranking out, you know, 60 hours worth of work per week, and then realize they can make that amount of money in like a few hours worth of work for like one piece, you know, you would think of enough people catch on that, then all of a sudden, the industry that's hiring these people are going to have to like step up their pay scales or, or something eventually, if everyone's, you know, finds it more profitable to go rogue. Yeah, I think it's really interesting, the contrast between like one person spending $20,000 on a piece of art or 20,000 people spending $1 on a piece of art, you know, what's, what's, um, what's the middle ground, I think a lot of people can get their heads around movies, where it's like, oh, tw you know, 2 million people bought a $10 ticket, that makes sense. Um, but one person buying a $20,000 ticket, I guess, doesn't. Yeah, it, the, the interesting thing is, though, that we're starting to see people, and I think people was one of the first to kind of played around with the idea of, hey, fuck doing, like, one piece just for, like, 50000 Like, let me let me have an open edition. Every edition is $1, 10 minutes, like, fucking go get it. And and playing around with, with the value of things like that and, and kind of opening up the access to art of what a lot of people are now coming around to as being valuable in crypto art and, and digital art, right? And it just feels like there's so many more experiments left to play um, in terms of the actual like interaction with fans, with collectors, and um, the formats that the sales take uh, and things like that, and how the kind of relationship between the collector and the, the artists over time can evolve as well. Um, it's like you said, you just kind of got to get your hands dirty in this space and kind of experience it for yourself to really get it. Um, it's hard to really think through coming from the traditional kind of background and, and what most people are, are used to coming, especially in the corporate sector. Yeah, for, for me, I've always like kind of uh, watched forums and stay, stayed outside the motion graphics world. Mm -hmm. And by joining crypto art, it's accelerated my journey into motion graphics. And I'm suddenly surrounded on DMs with like loads of great people who I'm asking questions about and how to build a new computer and all this stuff. And it's just like, ah, oh, it's been so amazing finding a crowd of people that uh, I just love talking to. 
Yeah. And then, well, I know, I think maybe the first video I came across of yours was a little bit before New Year's. And when I'd seen you in my time, I'm like, who's this eclectic method guy? And then I saw Token Smart had booked you for the, the New Year's Eve party. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, how did they get someone like eclectic method? I mean, it's a no brainer. Rizzle's the man. Um, but I'm curious, what was your experience going into the quote unquote metaverse, seeing folks in like crypto voxels, like doing crazy stuff, being in the discord full of hundreds of people doing or sending like a million gifts a minute. I'm going crazy there. Like what, what is your impression of of this sort of space and the sort of events that are starting to uh, arise quite regularly here? Oh, I love it. And that, that also totally cemented my, my joy. Cause, cause what I do is I, I remix movies and do like very geeky stuff and jump around genres and stuff. But when I play in the nightclubs, sometimes I have to play more music videos and less remixy because it's a nightclub and you can't take people down like a Quentin Tarantino remix. But um, <laughs> when I was playing on um, token smart server, you know, people were posting gifts about the stuff that I'm remixing, you know, play Rick and Morty remix, Rick and Morty gifts come at you. Um, the audience is really great. I, I had been live streaming with like DJs who are more like elect- EDM kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it wasn't the right crowd for me, whereas to, um, Token Smart's crowd is like perfect. Yeah. Dude, that's awesome to hear. I mean, the New Year's Eve festival was so fun. You've obviously got your own thing going now on Fridays now, 1, 1 p.m. Eastern time in our Discord, which has also been fun, uh, despite a couple technical hurdles, which is like essentially a rite of passage uh, for doing anything with us. Uh, dude, yeah, I, I can master Cinema 4D, but somehow the Discord menu <laughs> eluded me. But I found it now, yeah. It takes like a master's class, man. Trust me, I'm still working through it myself. Um Dude, of your entire catalog, do, do you have like a favorite one of your own remixes that like, you know, regardless of who it was about or what movie or whatever, like what what's on the top of your personal, uh, you know, hierarchy here? Oh, man, I've, just, I've probably done nearly a thousand remixes. Uh, I, I guess a few of them like uh, uh, 2001 Stanley Kubrick remix, Apocomix and Sound Effects 5. <laughs> yeah awesome man we'll have to find some links we'll we'll have a like a big listening party in the token smart discord when we drop this podcast so we'll have to find some links for those so we can uh drop them in the discord while this conversation's going on because i'd love to check those out too that's cool nice i will be i'll be there yeah right on and then obviously i mean now with covid it feels like everyone's on the internet all the time um but i mean what do you do outside of internet stuff and creating these remixes which take a shitload of time to kind of put together research compile the bits and pieces that you use to put together the remixes like do you have any like off the grid activities you like to kind of do to to chill out and kind of get your mind right curious about that yeah well we we used to we used to live in new york but then when we decided to have a kid we moved to spain so we're like let's be let's be chill and barcelona is, is a city it's a big city but it's not really and where where we live we're like 15 minutes from a mountain and maybe like a, a 40 minute scoot down to the beach and so yeah that's that's pretty much what i'm doing when i'm not at the computer and i try to leave my phone at home just go up the mountain walk around play games yeah I go to the beach play at the beach that's my that's my favorite thing to do 
there's an opportunity here for some jokes. I was like, Eclectic Method hasn't seen in the outside in 15 years of remixes or whatever. That's good to hear, man. You hold it down like like your average person here, despite cranking out like 14 hours worth of, uh, or sifting through 14 hours worth of content to make a remix video. Uh, dude, when you enter the space, we're poking around on Rarible or just sort of like in your you know travels here in NFT land, have you stumbled upon any other like cool projects or like collected anything on the side of your own that's like totally you know totally unrelated to what you've got going on or what what else has caught your eye in the space oh yeah so many so many i've been uh, i have started buying pieces i don't really know what i'm doing i just buy buy stuff i like but um oh, that, that's you know, what you do man that's all <laughs> that's it. again pe- people i've followed for ages but i like uh i like smear balls uh, motion graphics artist brian brinkman you know um these people i've already followed for ages but new people since coming into the scene um there's been a lot of uh newer motion graphics artists that i think i've uh got into like trippy yogi i think uh, you introduced me to trippy yogi and i've been awesome. loving that stuff or Tripiogi, yep. is that the correct way to pronounce it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and not on a motion graphics tip, but sometimes Hakatao and Xcopy. Um, yeah, I mean, it's checking out that. I mean, it's it's amazing. Sometimes we, me and my, my wife and I would just scroll through the marketplace on Rarible or Super Rare, you know? It's like, it's better than Instagram. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's replaced Instagram for a lot of people. And or people are scrolling through Instagram and being like, when can we tokenize these gems in here? So I feel like that's sort of like the next thing in mind for for a lot of these artists, seeing as a lot of them already kind of pull from their back catalog, if you will, uh, of their work in, in Instagram. That's awesome to hear. Yeah, yeah, they've all done years of unpaid yeah. art making. Yeah, exactly. It's time to, time to get paid for all that hard work. Um, well, I know that you have the uh, People Everyday Remix um, currently up for auction right now together with Jonathan Mann. I think by the time we release this next week, um, that will your piece and Jonathan's piece will have already gone to the respective collectors. But I just want to make sure that you take this time right now and let folks know what to expect from you heading forward. And then obviously sharing your social channels where they can follow you at. Yeah, cool. So then, um, yeah, the people thing just happening. The next things for me will be uh, Bootsy Collins collaboration, um, the CryptoPunks remix. And I've made a piece that's a Kung Fu fight that's musical where the camera doesn't cut. So every kick and punch is making a bit of the music. I'm really happy with that. It's like choreographed fighting. I don't think anyone's done it before. And that'll be the next thing. Um, I'm mostly on Twitter, twitter.com slash eclectic method. I'm also eclectic method on Instagram, Facebook, uh, YouTube and yeah, I guess if you want to waste a few hours of your life, uh, YouTube.com slash eclectic method. <laughs> I've already wasted a couple hours of my life and yeah, I'll man. gladly waste you many so more hours you. watching <laughs> your work and listening to it. And thank you so much for having me on your server to play. It really is an awesome experience. Oh, yeah. dude, we're we're so happy to have you, man. It's, it's honestly been a lot of fun for us as well. So really appreciate you sticking with us despite the audio tech problems. And hopefully it's it's smooth sailing from here. We got it this week. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for hopping on the show and taking the time to talk about your, your work, your process, how you're finding the crypto art space and NFT space at large. It's It's awesome. And I'm really excited to see where you go and what you create in this space heading forward. So thank you so much for your time. Cool. Thank you so much for having me. Cool. Thanks, man. This is great. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to today's episode. 
And I just want to remind you of this month's sponsor, Avogachi. Avogachis are on-chain collectible ghosts staked with Aave's interest-generating A tokens. Compete for player rewards by earning XP, leveling up, and increasing the rarity of your Avogachi friend. Owned by the community, Avogachi is governed by the Avogachi DAO and the native eco-governance token Ghost, G-H-S-T. Summon your first Avogachi today and join the future of DeFi staked NFT avatars. Follow Avogachi on Twitter at Avogachi, A-A-V-E-G-O-T-C-H-I, or on Discord at discord.gg slash 6R2PE58. That's discord.gg slash 6R2PE58. Thank you and see you next episode. Podcast.